This is Mind Your Body, a dance movement therapy perspective on the integration of our emotional, cognitive, physical, and spiritual aspects of our being into one more aware and whole existence. All right, so we're on, and I want to say a huge welcome to you, Marcy Javril. Um, I got a message from you on Saturday, I believe. And I was like, couldn't believe my eyes. I was like, Oh my gosh, are you my twin? I said that to you. Um, and I want you to introduce yourself so that people understand why, cause I've been, um, more, a little more active with showing my, my hooping skills and just give a little bit, ba- a little bit of a background about who you are and what you are interested in talking about today. Well, I'm Marcy Gevril. That's my stage name. So there's only one Gevril. <laughs> and I am a trained dancer. I started dancing when I was eight or 10 and spent my whole childhood and 20s and 30s dancing. And, and I'm trained in dance therapy, too. I picked up the hoop um, in 2003. So I was like 52 years old at that time. <laughs> and I started waist hooping. And I realized that it was just an amazing tool for expression. And the longer I did it, the more I thought, man, this is a transitional object. You know, in dance therapy, we call it a transitional object because I'm able to put myself over here and identify here and give movement, emotion, and story to something else and then self-reflect and I mean, it makes me emotional right now because I love hooping. Hooping is amazing. And it's, well, I'm 67 now. So I feel like I had stopped aging when I started hooping because of the beginner's mind, because of the um, full body awakening that happens from it. Because not only is it core, it's uh, cardio, it's creativity, it's balance it's right left brain it's just so many things at once and it's something to share with everyone and so I got very excited about sharing it and I just started like everybody who came by my space was like here try this do this be this and it didn't matter if they could do it around their waist or not if it could just pick it up and move it in time and space everyone gets this child delight out of it (laughs) and the joy factor just goes up and if you can find something that makes you joyful while it also keeps you healthy you should keep doing it yeah I can definitely see like how joyful and alive you are just talking about your hoops and just just seeing you right now um that's I love that you said that about seeing everyone pick it up because I've been at events where there's just a huge range of people like age and gender and color and everything. And everyone will just be drawn to these plastic circles and try it. And everyone's just enjoying it and laughing, even if they, even if they can't. Right. So they love to do selfies and the, and I I love it when I go to a big event, like um, KCRW, our radio station has a, a big event for the community. And my girlfriend, um, Jennifer Jensen, eclectic hoops always brings her hoops. And you see these people 
they hand the hoop to the guy, right? And he tries it and they're taking a selfie of him. Everybody's trying and laughing. And, but then some people will come over to you and ask seriously, how do I really do this? You know, and here and there, you'll start a conversion <laughs> and you'll start a movement of, of awareness mm-hmm. for those people who never even tried it, didn't even think it was possible and thought those were passe, right? They're like current, current events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a lot of dance therapists and other kinds of therapists who listen to this podcast and also people who are just generally interested in moving their bodies for, you know, greater mental health and self-compassion and all those things. Um, If we focus a little bit more on the therapist side, how do you see that hoops can be brought, not just hoops, but also other flow arts and flow toys? How can they be brought into this uh, either therapy process or a therapeutic process? Well, I I was invited to do my, my other specialty besides dancing is lymphatic massage. And I've developed something I call brain cleanse massage for the head. And it's about lymph and moving all the gunk out of your head. And so I presented it at the Expressive Therapy Summit twice. And those are all like psychologists and art therapy, dance therapy, music therapy, drum therapy, theater therapy. And I'm there going, flow therapy, you know, it's like the next wave of where the expressive arts therapy needs to go. Mm-hmm. Because it's a prop. Because all these other therapies have props. Like art has color props and fabric and theater has costumes and drumming has the, the drummer. The flow arts is another prop of interaction and co- communion, not just with self, but with other and, and sharing. It just... For me, it was an explosion of ideas to go to this therapy summit and see all these very willing creative arts therapists doing this diligent, wonderful, meticulous work. And I thought, more joy, more joy factor. Can we just bring in some scarves and wave them around or poi and spin them around? And Because here's the other point for me. I, I took a lot of classes uh, about autistic or um, spectrum disorders and, and disabilities, all kinds of, and schizophrenic behavior. These are the population demographics that will benefit so much from the flow arts because it gives them something to hold. It gives them my hoop, my hoop, my relationship. And it's, you got to have a relationship with an other for self-reflection. And when you're a therapist and you want your client to go home and continue the work on their own. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point with the relationship with the hoop is like, how are you, like you can flow with the hoop, you can flow against it. Um, you know, I tend to blame the hoop for things that I can't do. And so like, there's room for protection there. And, um, you know, how does, how would one, like, if someone listening to this now would go and pick up a hoop tomorrow, 
you know, what would they, what could they do? What would they do that would be helpful for them to do on their own? And of course it's not just on their own because there is that community piece. Well, the hoop for one thing, it doesn't have to be around the waist. And that's the main point I want to give everybody is um, (laughs) if you want to do it around the waist, that's great for your core. And don't forget that it's a circle, right? And if you had a, a pencil and a circle and you wanted that circle to go around, you would make the pencil go back and forth like this. Right. And that would make the hoop go around. Mm-hmm. So just remember that you are the pencil in the hoop. So if you want to make that hoop move, you actually have to be solid. It's not about wiggle. <laughs> so the thing about hooping is um, it's all about physics. It's to make the hoop move properly. It's a, physics experiment and the emotion comes in when you surprise yourself and you try a trick that has leverage that takes you somewhere different and so that's why it's such a great mix is you can try mechanical things with it but then if you let go of the mechanical and you let emotion come in you'll surprise yourself and a trick will happen Mm. and I will take little tiny children who can't even hold the hoop and just have them hold the hoop standing up on the ground and walk through it or spin it around or drag it around themselves or put it in the air and wave it like it's a flag, a signal flag. So using a hoop as a prop, just think of it as like a circular sword. That's what I like to call it. And I like to use it then in martial arts, you know, we use that, really more quick movement. And sometimes we think of the hoop as being more like liquid and girly and feminine. Not necessarily. You can make that hoop really sharp and move quickly and have sudden, um, you know, geometric movements. And especially if you start using more than one. So, so I'm hearing that it's, it's really, it really is and can be a tool for, exploring a wide range of expressive language and movement, which is what we do as dance therapists. We help people, you know, explore their full range. And in in turn, it helps them explore their full potential and behavior and thoughts and feelings and emotions. And, um, you know, the populations that you mentioned and more, it's so hard, especially when so new to just move your body in general. Like there's, you know, there's a lot of fear with that. There's um, emotions that, that come up pretty quickly. And so to have the prop, right, to have something that supports this exploration and this self-discovery. The prop doesn't talk back to you and say, you didn't do it right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right, right. It might fall. It might roll down the hill. Well, we, we can project at, like, I know I do this. You can project what your hoop says to you. But, That's right, true. like, when it flies out of my hand and it's like, you didn't hold on to me very well, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it won't, it won't actually talk back to you, but you can no. see, I can see a lot of my, my inner talk coming out through the hoop. But so that's again, a really good point as a therapist, you know, looking for a client to have self-reflection. You can see that, you know, we constantly personify things. So even if it's a mirror, you know, you'd like, 
you talk to the mirror like it's or a plant or or a pillow you know like pillow come on stop being so stiff you know or so personifying things is our way for self-reflecting so of course Mm. yeah and that's really important but the the point about hoops and props and flow arts in general is the diversity the possibilities are really endless like poi i'm not sure if people know what poi is but it's a, a ball on a string mm-hmm. and it actually comes from ancient new, um, new zealand and the maori a tribe used that as a way of learning to train for martial arts and they use the poi to strengthen their wrists for sword fighting oh i didn't know that <laughs> And the women do the poi in the Maori. You should look that up on YouTube sometime because it's astounding what they do and they bounce them and everything. But that's the other thing that comes uh, from the hoop, knowing and all these props. You don't have to have the physical ability to stand up and be on your feet and move your core. So this can be for handicapped people in a wheelchair, for people who can only use their feet, Props are something that can be so adaptable to whatever, like I say, the physics of it. So you're going to put momentum and energy and emotion, and it's going to move in a direction. And and it may be purposeful or it may be surprising, but there's your interaction. Right. That's what we want is we want interaction with our environment to bring about more the neurosynapse coming in, the um, eye-hand coordination, all that brain activity, the skin contact. Let's not forget skin contact. How many of these autistic and, and otherwise displaced people that we may be dealing with in populations, are they getting touch? Are they getting nurturing touch? So maybe when they do the poi or the contact staff, like I have a staff here that I roll on my body and the hoop is also feels like a massage you know this kind of touch is also really important so Mm -hmm. all the sensations are happening yeah and when you talked about seeing like I, I was thinking about the impact that you see you're making especially with you know a bright colored prop like a bright colored hoop for example and you can just see the impact that you're making with your body. And even that in itself can be powerful. And I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, we were talking a little bit about this before we pressed record, but lately there's a lot of competition and emphasis on, you know, improving, improving, improving in the flow arts community. It's so apparent. It's really present. So how would you support someone in a therapeutic process to, you know, not really, you know, to, to make it more therapeutic and more about the process versus the product and how it looks and how many tricks can I nail and how, you know, how much can I learn and can I be better than other people and all that kind of stuff. That is, is yeah, that's that place where people think that once they learn a skill, then there's a striving that has to happen with it. And that's why I always laugh when people, like I said earlier, before we press record, people watch me hooping, you know, in public or something and they come, Oh, you're so amazing. Where do you perform? I go, performing. <laughs> this is for me. This is just what I do as my hobby of being delighted in life. 
And if it delights you to watch me, that's wonderful. But so I guess that's kind of what I would like to see more people say to themselves and to the people watching them. Is This is for me. If you're watching, that's fine. I don't mind you watching. But I'm not really doing it for you. And in fact, I remember um, at a fire circle one time, there was a photographer there and I was trying a couple new skills and, and I, I was repeating a few of them, but then I would just, you know, if I didn't get him, I didn't nail him. I just move on. And the photographer goes, Oh, try that again. And I looked at him and I said, no. <laughs> and he said, not for you. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was like, ah, uh, this is my practice. And you're here on your own, you know, so you catch what you do. And, and I'm not, if I was doing a photo shoot, I'd say, yeah, yeah, try it again. But I'm not doing a photo shoot. So I guess that's, that could be like a little sideline. You could say to yourself, I'm not doing a photo shoot. Nobody's here documenting my mistakes or my skill level. I'm here to concentrate on what I can do with myself on my own and in the space that it is. And uh, I guess what I tend to do is uh, when people think to compliment me, I always put myself in the middle. I go, well, I'm not a beginner, but I'm not the highest level of skill either. So I'm right there in the middle. I'm just having fun. And uh, I think that people need to do that more often with wherever they are. If they're a swimmer, if they're a dancer, if they're American Ninja Warrior, which I'm addicted to watching. <laughs> Crazy. <right? laughs> I look at their upper arm strength and I go, damn. <laughs> but, you know, so each person, you know, this idea of competition. The reason I think I like American Ninja Warrior better than some of these other things is they're not really competing against each other. They're competing with themselves. Yeah. And I think if you understand all of the things you're doing as activities that you're enjoying for yourself, instead of trying to put on a mat next to somebody else or in a swim lane next to somebody else or in the, you know, in the competition next to somebody else don't don't put yourself next to anybody else just be in your own circle and how to do that is you really have to be in beginner's mind a lot of times we talked about that too because being in beginner's mind means that you know nothing and you're being taught by yourself in your own environment and it means that you want to start all over And starting all over means that you have no skill. So if you can get there as often as possible, instead of saying, I know what I'm doing, then you'll be in the therapeutic place. Mm. So, um, and I think that's the distinction. To be in your therapeutic space is to have no expectation, to allow surprise and um, to have beginner's mind. Hmm that kind of answer it? I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just so relevant to my world right now as a dance therapist. And I'm going to say it because maybe it is to other people who are listening, um, wherever, like if you're a dance therapist or whatever career you're in or whatever you're pursuing is, 
um, I'm building my business and I'm trying to see how to fit dance therapy into the business or the business into dance therapy. And like part of the strategy is, you know, being an expert on what you, you know, what you, what you are and what you help people do. And that's just, that's just a strategy that I'm finding more and more like, I can't agree with that. Right. Cause that's, yeah, that's total, the total opposite of beginner's mind. And the essence of dance therapy is just creating a space for people to find their truth, to find whatever skills they're looking for to expand in the way that they are. And so that's like, that's how I got to fit it in together. Cause what you're like, what you're saying, not having the beginner's mind, it, it really blocks the process part of it in a way. And I had another thought as you were talking about fun and enjoy- enjoyment. Um, you know, as creative arts therapist, especially working in public institutions, like we often get looked at as the fun people. And it, it bothered me a lot when I was working um, publicly. And I know that I'm not the only one because of course, like we have, we have so much more to offer. Like we offer so much more than fun. We offer a very deep process and very important, um, you know, very important work, but we do also provide fun and enjoyment. And that is what a lot of people, like, even when I work with dance therapists, that is something that they say is like, I don't have enough fun or joy in my life or take things too seriously. And like, so even we, the fun providers, we come to that realization. And so I just wanted to say that just in case people were watching or listening and, you know, maybe having objections to the fun part, but like, but we do more than fun. So that's an, that's an understanding, but how it's so important. Like once I picked up my hoop and um, I started going to more festivals, which I know you want to talk about, like wow I'm having like this freedom and fun in my life that I maybe put to the side a little bit more when I didn't necessarily find my space well the fun factor is the carrot that's just how you get them into the room mm. and and it's okay to have a carrot right mm-hmm. it's the sparkles on the you know it's the envelope of art materials that have sparkles in an envelope <gasps> Now you want to come in. Well, and we're going to do art and it's going to be deep therapeutic, right? So the sparkles, the fun sparkles belong there because we all need to be persuaded. Mm-hmm. We need persuasion to Ice. do nothing. Right? <laughs> we work on ourselves. We need enticement, right? When I, when I first um, got out of college and I wanted to work in um, – and this was in 1978, 79. And I I wanted to promote myself as a dance therapist. I got a job uh, with behavior problem kids at a facility in the Valley. And these were all acting out teenagers and stuff. And so a lot of them were boys. And when I came on board, they first called me the dance therapist. And after a while, they said, we can't call you that anymore because the guys won't the boys won't come in. I said, well, just call me the play therapist. And and at the time there wasn't such a name, I don't think, but you know, I decided I was just going to call myself the play therapist. 
and they say, well, what do you do? And I said, oh, we play ball and, and, and I use props. Yeah. I used props. I used a ball and the boys would come in and I'd say, here. <laughs> and, and then, of course, the process, you know, I say, I'll throw the ball like you're throwing it to your mom. Oh. Well, throw the ball like you're throwing it to your buddy. Whop! Right? So all of a sudden, we're having fun. I'm giving offerings to possibilities, but I'm the facilitator, okay? The, co- the fun is coming from the other person. So you, the facilitator, sometimes aren't the fun. <laughs> so you need to have your own fun outside of your sessions. Yes. And point being that as a massage therapist, when I teach massage, I'm not getting massage. Hmm. As a yoga therapist and as a yoga educator, when I'm teaching yoga, I'm not doing my own practice. So that joy factor <laughs> for us as therapists can come about if we go back and in our own time, we have our joy props. So that's my punchline for you is that not only is our flow arts great props for your therapy community, but what about you? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't know how much I've shared this publicly, but I had a hard time dancing for myself for most of the time, most of the decade almost that I've been a dance therapist. And it wasn't until I picked up my own prop, my hoop, that I started dancing uh, pretty much every day. Sometimes I, you know, sometimes I don't, but pretty much every day. And so like all the stuff that you said in the beginning about helping people find movement and expand the repertoire through, you know, with the help of a prop, it's like, I just realized, oh yeah, that's what, that's what happened to me. That's what I did. So yeah, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do with the hoop or whatever prop you decide to pick up. It's, it's a way in. So that's, yeah. And age doesn't have anything to do with it. That's right. Did you share your age? <laughs> I'm 67. I started hooping when I was. Oh, you did share, yeah. Degree, yeah. Uh, I feel like that stopped my aging process. But I learned all the circus arts since I was, most of them since I was 60. Right. So in the last seven years, I've learned how to hoop with four hoops, hoop on my feet in a shoulder stand <laughs> and a headstand, juggle with three balls continuously for at least a round of 40. Um, fire hoop, contact staff, rope dart. Uh, I mean, all these things, you don't have to stop learning. Uh, if, and my mom always said curiosity. Yeah. Life is an adventure. If you stop being curious, you may as well get off, get off the ride. (laughs) She was a master's in library science and she really encouraged me to be creative yeah. So there's a short story I want to share about my mom that um, <laughs> is really important for people as therapists to understand too. So imagine yourself as a child and you're in your room and you're drawing and painting and doing all kinds of stuff. And your room starts to kind of be a little bit cluttered because there's an art project and there's that and that, all this stuff. And your mom opens the door and what does she say? Clean up. <laughs> Guess what my mom would say? Oh, what have you been doing? Show me what you've done. 
oh, do you need more paper? Mm-hmm. And I'd show her a piece of paper with like one check on it. And would she say, oh, you haven't drawn enough on that? No, she said, oh, do you need more paper? I have more. Mm-hmm. Okay. We all need moms like that. That's beautiful. So when you come into the cluttered room of disorder, chaos, and experimentation that all of us have, appreciate instead of delineate. Yeah, thank you for that. And I think that that's why, because my mom encouraged me. She never shut me down. If I moved, I said, okay, I don't want to take piano anymore. I want to take dance. Okay. Everything was, okay, let's do that, you know. And I don't know how she managed to do that, being a super mom, divorced with four kids, but she did. And all of us have come out very creatively. And, um, yeah, so she was my first therapist, I guess. (laughs) Allowed. So the therapy... Uh, again, uh, something you said earlier about being an expert. Uh, you don't, as an expert, it just gives you the authority to receive money <laughs> for creating uh, the space and people believing that they're going to then create benefit and long-term investment in that. That's great. But there's something else we talked about in our bullet points on the email about a festival. And in the festival venue... Everyone is a facilitator and everyone is a participant. Mm-hmm. That even playing ground helps you, the beginner, become the expert because you teach me things. Because when I hand you the hoop and you put it over your head like that, I go, I've never tried that. Mm-hmm. And the reason you try it is because you've never tried anything. And so that's what I love about festivals is that you go with um, an open mind and whatever prop is there. And what's great too is you have a big hoop, but somebody else has a small hoop and you say, well, what can I do with that? Right. And somebody else has two little hoops. Well, what can I do with that? And that exploration and that curiosity, and then that um, wanting to learn and somebody will come over and say, we'll try this. We'll try this. And you'll say, Oh, well, what if I do this? And they'll go, Oh, yeah, that works. But if you just move your arm a little bit over, then it'll work better. Boom. You've just been treated like a beginner and they're an expert. But guess what? That exchange goes on and on and on. So you say, well, you know what? I tried it with my wrist this way, but because I'm left-handed, I needed to go like that. So now your expert knows how to teach people better. And that's what I learned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So as you teach others and you see how they're learning, again, that's your beginner mind. Come back and say, oh, how did they learn how to do that? Mm-hmm. How did they get there from here, you know? And everybody gets there in different ways. That's true. Yeah, and the, and the thing about festivals, too, is even if you, for some reason, don't want to pick up any any prop, I would say that's pretty that still applies like people are dancing in all different kinds of ways. And if you communicate and come together on that, like you just see somebody across, you know, across the grass moving a certain way, like, all right, I'm going to try that. 
And that can happen even without talking, you know, without even communicating is there's, there's so such a variety of expression and it's beautiful and it's, it's just so human. And it's, it's a, I don't know, it's such a lucky experience to be able to go and see all that and be a part of it and also influence it too. So if you were just going to festivals to dance, it's still so powerful. So I think that segues into what uh, part of our bullet points were with the festivals. Now, from my point of view, the festivals are showing this growing desire for young people to have a tribe. And, you know, it started way back when I was in the, in the seventies in Boulder, Colorado, I went to the first rainbow family gathering in Strawberry Lake. Oh my God. (laughs) Right, but so we were the flower children, and we wanted cohesion, and we had it for a while. Then it kind of drifted off. But I think Burning Man, and then um, all the offshoots from Burning Man, and all the festivals are just showing more and more to me this m- deep desire in society for connection, and not just connection through food or camping but through play what happens at these festivals they're a huge party there's a lot of music there's a lot of freestyle dancing and people stand there and just dance by themselves or they sit in a chair and just kind of listen to the music with their eyes shut or they go crazy and they do cartwheels all over and they go into the woods or whatever everything is allowed but there's a need for that and we we as therapists can see that if we're in our city jungle that we got to bring that tribal feeling of connection somehow to our people so our demographics need to find playgrounds to go to and safe places to be in so i encourage all therapists to create a flow jam where you bring lots of props go to this thing called, um, God, what is the name of that? Spirit Rising, I think it. Anyway, oh, God, I wish I remembered it. Anyway, it's a flow arts uh, free um, kind of networking place where you can find teachers and different people. Bring them in. Find somebody. Bring them in as a guest. Try try some props. Bring in balls. Bring in socks. Bring in... um, sticks even because your tribe and bring them together maybe have a group so that's the other thing that i think happens even more deeply mm-hmm. is you can have one-on-one therapy that's great but when you have group therapy and you have a facilitator that's just there to hold space not necessarily interfere or direct or guide or give anything at all but just hold safe space have a chill space, have music, and allow and let people pick props up and drop them and like them or not like them. And it's just, it's a very deepening experience. You could bring that whole festival sensibility and that exchange, that evenness exchange into your demographics. Wouldn't that be fabulous? We need that, don't we? Yeah. As long as we hold the space and sustain it. Yeah. Well, I found that the drum facilitators, you know, mm-hmm. I think they have a good awareness of how this happens because it's all nonverbal. But they know how to control the space through rhythm. 
right. and, and through bringing that dynamic down into a stillness. So that's another really great gift as a facilitator is watching the space and seeing the chaos occur and helping it kind of fluff itself down into uh, beginning again. And that's pretty much the only thing you need as an expert is you need to feel the room. <laughs> yes. And know when to regulate. And know when to regulate. Yes. And not always regulate. And for yourself too. Mm, yeah. So multi-layered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So did we have, what else did you want to talk about? I think, well, we're out of time, but I thought it'd be fun to take like 30 seconds and just play with our props together <laughs> and oh, yeah. show the, show the people. But I don't, we don't really have much room, but. Let's see. I'm going to see if how far I can get back here. Oh, that's nice. I don't really have any room, but I will just be here. I've got my little hoop here. Yeah. And so when you take a hoop, you don't have to put it on your waist. Well, I'll put it on my waist. But these little ones go really fast. See? <laughs> but when it falls down, you just pick it up and put it over your head. And then grab your arms and push it over there. I haven't done that. Push it up with your foot. Push it with your foot and then pull it up, you know? I mean, use your whole body. Right. And how, like, your body can make different shapes within the hoop. Yeah, and, and put your body through the hoop. I call it I call it the hollow globe, right? <laughs> it's a globe. It's a globe, but it's hollow. And I call it the girl who fell in love with the moon. <laughs> There's my moon. I'm so in love with <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Let's see if I can show you my neatest foot hoop trick. Oh my god! Oh wow, ladies and gentlemen, she's sixty-seven. <laughs> That's impressive. Oops! And oh. if you're in your house, I've broken so many things. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. Thank you so much. Thank you. Namaste. (laughs) Thank you for everything. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and your joy and your cheerfulness. Well, thanks for reaching out. When I saw you said you had a podcast for dance therapists, I thought, oh, quick, get on board. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Bye now. (laughs)